Ladies and gentlemen. Pacific Sound Radio. Hello and welcome to Pacific Sound Radio, your go-to source for everything happening in the Vancouver music scene. I'm James Olson, and today we're speaking with Jenny Benet. A self-described old soul, Jenny Benet is a gifted vocalist and songwriter whose mature arrangements and stunning live performances have drawn comparisons to the likes of Jeff Buckley, Feist, and Dolores O'Riordan of the Cranberries. Benet is a winner and three-time nominee of the Fraser Valley Folk Artist of the Year Award. She's had her music featured on the TV show and web series The Drive, along with the CBC radio program On the Coast. She has received praise from a variety of publications and writers, including Juno-nominated artist and host of the Hip Hop Evolution documentary series, Shad, who describes her music as a totally unique blend of folk, jazz, and indie rock, with lyrics that often veer from the usual territory of romantic relationships into existential and even spiritual concerns. Wonderful. Yeah, uh, great to have you on the show. Uh, it's been a little bit of a, a little bit of a journey. <laughs> been some <laughs> rescheduling and then you know of course wildfires and pandemic and all that fun stuff but happy to have you all on that. Um, thank you uh, how did you get your start performing and writing your own music how did I get my start oh my goodness um, music has been something in my life since I was a little girl so um, my dad likes to remind me often that while we were in, um, car drives, I'd be singing about things going by the window. <laughs> so I guess the intuitive nature of songwriting was in me from this, from a young age, but, um, through the years I, it had experience singing in different capacities and just grew a love for singing and, um, around, uh, I think it was like. I don't know, I might have been 16, maybe 14. I'm not really sure. <laughs> but um, I picked up a guitar and I had um, originally been playing violin. That was my first instrument. And But I really wanted to play something that I could sing to. And it's kind of hard to do that with violin. So I picked up the guitar when I was 14-ish. And um, my sister actually was writing songs at the time and I was inspired and thought oh, I should try that maybe and um so I did and um didn't love them very much but my sister really loved them and I was like ah, I'm never going to show anyone these things <laughs> um but yeah I continued to sing like other people's songs and perform other people's songs um until probably around I don't know I think it was I might have been like early 20s and I had sang at this Christmas production and a um, producer came up to me afterwards and asked me if I was an artist, if I wrote songs, what did I do with my voice? And I was like, um, I kind of been thinking about that, like as sheepishly, um, shyly was my response. And um, he kind of like pushed me and I decided to think more seriously about it and 
um, ended up doing my own research on what that would look like recording and um, what, you know, what is an engineer? What is a producer? I had to like find out all that information. I didn't know anything. I just kind of loved singing and I knew that that much. Um, I remember actually this guy that came up to me afterwards, he like gave me a project. He's like, now, why don't you look up songs or artists that inspire you? Cause I literally couldn't even answer that question. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I, I like all kinds of music, but I don't really know who my inspirations are yet, you know? So it was this kind of gradual um, coming to realize that I have this gift and I want to share it and people keep asking me to do it. So yeah, I decided to move to Vancouver from the Fraser Valley farmlands and um, ended up recording at, um, at the time, the Space Studios with a guy named Dan um, Klenner and Jordan Clausen, who is also a artist in Vancouver. So that was um, really exciting. And that's how it started, I guess, in a nutshell. What uh, part of the Fraser Valley are you from? I ask because I have family out in Chilliwack. Yeah. Um, well, I grew up in Surrey, technically, all my life. Um, Port Kells. Is I'm also I from Surrey. Lived. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's funny because I normally say Langley because I did a lot of things in Langley, um, but I actually lived in Surrey. And, um, but like not Surrey, Surrey. I lived in Port Kells, which is like farmland and kind of closer to the border of Langley. Um, and I actually went to high school in Abbotsford. So I'm kind of like all over the map, all over the Fraser Valley, really. Yeah. Yeah. Quite, <laughs> quite literally all over. Wow. Had a question yeah. about the running you had with that producer. So you do this Christmas pageant and a producer, it sounds like something out sure. of a movie where a producer finds yeah. you. Now, was it like, was it just, hey, you should just do more. Okay, bye. Or was it like, oh, I want to work with you going forward or something like that? Yeah, yeah. It was a little bit of um, a two-year connection. He, um, yeah, he was like, if I can help in any way, just reach out to me and so I ended up meeting up with him and he was a producer in Abbotsford actually and um we sat down and I kind of he just asked me a bunch of questions like what do I imagine I you know with a recording and um at that time I I <laughs> didn't know how to you know respond straightforwardly like I wasn't like oh, I just want to make an album it was like I don't want to just make an album I want to make something that's connectable to people in a way that isn't so produced and kind of has this like real feeling to it but I didn't know how to explain it in technical terms um and so he was trying to like track with me and trying to like see if he could make something like this come alive for me because it's so important at that time I felt it was so important to have um, everything be so authentic and, um, yeah, had this kind of like wide eyed wonder, reimagine what it could look like. And that's just kind of my personality. I think in general, it's just, I see what I see in the world, but I want to try something, you know, outside of the box or like why I don't want this to become a mundane task where you just like, you make an album done. Okay. Tour that album, make another album done, like kind of just, fall into the steps people before you have taken. I think as a creator and an artist person, 
it makes sense that I would want to imagine something like beyond that. Like maybe people could be in the space while, while I'm singing the song and perhaps their voices could be a part of it. But like, anyway, I was very young and, um, imaginative about what it could possibly be. So he and I sat down once and then what ended up happening is he ended up having a baby. And so, um, we lost touch and I wasn't ready to do anything yet. I think I needed to just learn and grow and keep writing songs and kind of understand more of what this is. And then he actually ended up reconnecting with me a year later. And at that time I had sought um, kind of counsel from a mentor of mine as well in the music world and just was like, can you tell me what all this is? Like, I don't, I'm, I want to have more of a understanding of what I would be getting myself into. And, and so he explained everything to me, like, this is what an engineer is. This is what, whatever, whatever. And like a very gentle fatherly sort of way. And I was like, okay, now I don't want to just like, you know, I need to do my own research. Who, who would I want to work with? You know, if I'm going to do this, I need to figure out who. And, and so, yeah. Um, the guy that I originally had reached out to me, I didn't end up working with him, but we have a good connection and he's actually doing other things right now with his life. And, um, I ended up just going down the path of like finding Jordan and Dan and realizing, I think this is the, this is the right fit. And that was five years ago now. And was it one of those cases where you started performing your own songs live first, or was it really you wanted to record and release your first album, Flowering Head, and then kind of go from there? Mm. Um, I hadn't performed any of my songs before recording them. so Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's yeah. usually the other way around for most artists. Yeah, I think at that time I didn't really consider myself an artist yet. I think I was like, okay, I guess the next step is record these songs. And then, but I hadn't put my, you know, self out there in the sense of booking shows. My, my first show was in my house. (laughs) It was like, it was a house show and it was a fundraiser for the album. And I like invited, I think there were eight other performers and it was almost like an early evening to late evening, all day kind of occurrence where people were, um, like your own festival. You know, it was awesome. I like it was dreamy. It was such a good night. Um, and then after that, I didn't perform. Well, did I perform? I must have done some performances before the album came out. I I think I did. It's hard to remember, but it was kind of this like discovery as I go thing. Like I was saying, I didn't have a plan. I didn't have any plan. I just kind of hoped it would be good. And um, I did. I did do some little um recordings some live recordings I did one on my friend's apartment roof and I did one outside um my home and um released those I think even before I released the album so so there were things that were trickling out and I didn't really have like a strategy I was just kind of having fun and um my my re- my original re- release show, my first album, was really magical as well. My dad came and built a stage in my backyard, and we had lights strung everywhere, and people baked pies, and it was almost like a wedding, really. <laughs> so that was, but it was so like my goal. My whole goal with music is to give people an experience that is um, kind of multi-sensory. You know, like I don't. I, I love playing in bars in a certain sense for, you know, like the 
I don't know, joining in with the community kind of thing. But, but I find that myself, I, I like to go to like a theater show or I like to go to like something a little bit more intimate or like, uh, where a little bit more heart and imagination has been put into it. So that's, that's what I'd like to offer people as much as possible, which is really hard right now. <laughs> I yeah. I was just going to say, I, yeah, I, I know you've played so far sounds at, at least once, mm-hmm. possibly, possibly twice. And I think I, mm-hmm. I've, I've seen you play before. I think I saw you play Vancouver mural fest either a year or two ago. Certainly oh, yeah. cool. not this year, unfortunately. <laughs> um, nope. <laughs> and, I know even for and we'll we'll obviously get into the 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 new album but I know you you yeah. had plans that kind of got a little kiboshed because of the because of the wildfire smoke yeah. but you d- tell us about at least at the very least your original plan for your album release show kind of playing into what Aww. you were talking about Right so we're still working on that actually I'm just trying to figure out a different venue situation that would be safe and make sense um, but yeah, we had to postpone because of the smoke and weather. And, um, at the time we, we had planned to have a release show outside, um, in kits on kids near kids beach. Um, there's a field house there and there's a few of these, um, kind of not used few field houses around the city. And they've been, I don't know if you know this, but it's like a city project. They've been transformed into kind of artist residency spaces. So artists around the city have, are using these little buildings in these, parks um and so a couple of our friends our residencies or residents at one of the one in kits and so it was going to be this show with like the ocean as a backdrop and um yeah they've had shows there throughout the summer which is really cool that they were still doing that um so yeah everyone would bring like their bring your own picnic blanket and settle in for like a kind of mid mid saturday afternoon sunny with music in the park show. So that was like the hope for the release. Um, and it was like kind of limited too, even though there'd be passerbyers, it was, it's one of those things where you can't really, um, invite as many people as you'd want to. So moving forward where I have a few prospects, so it's still going to be something magical. It's still going to happen. It's just taking a little bit of time to figure out all those details. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. And, you'd probably want to try and figure out something that's a little bit more indoors as well. Cause yeah, the, the Vancouver uh, winter is setting in quickly. Unfortunately, it is upon us. You are right. The grays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't, I don't mind it. I actually love fall. Fall is a beautiful season that I always forget. I love until it comes and I'm like, Oh, the wind and like the little creatures are still out. They're doing their thing and the leaves are changing color and it's, I don't know. I think it's beautiful, but yeah, probably not outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it won't be. Yeah. Touching on the, the new album a bit, um, both of your mm-hmm. records have thought provoking titles. I mean, your first release is called flowering head and your new release is called couch Walker. How yeah. do these titles reflect the theme or mood of these albums as self-contained works? It's, you know, they're, they're names that yeah. don't, uh, have like a an immediate a, like answer me going like oh i yeah. understand what that's about right yeah they're like definitely have an abstract nature to them uh yeah i mean flowering head it, it's funny like any title or even a lyric 
or lyrics that I write or um, songs that I write. It's not always this thing. It's not, not always this cut and dry plan. Like I, I'm going to write a song about this can of Coke in front of me and I'm going to call it Coke. Like it's, it's never like that or like the experience of drinking this bottle of Coke, you know, like it's, it's this thing where it's a song that's existing inside of you. That's full of emotion, full of um, experience and story and, um, and it's going to come out in a poetic way. And specifically, I think for me, yeah, I think like um, the things I present, the art that I make is a, is a lot more poetic than um, not. And um, oftentimes it's, it means the work speaks a lot longer than the moment. Um, I'll like listen to my old album and reflect on it and it will speak to me now even and I will understand even more of it now in hindsight um and yeah like flowering head I I believe I named that title that was it took me a while to get there but um it's kind of a cute story because um I was asking a few friends that I was close to and some family members like if they were to choose a title what would they name my album and I like I kind of threw it out there because I was having a hard time figuring it out and, you know, people said what they thought based on knowing me and knowing the songs. And my niece, who was, I think, oh, she must have been five at the time. Um, she's like, flower earrings. <laughs> That's what you should name your album. And it was funny because I had already th been thinking about this idea of flowering, like flowering something. And she said flower earrings. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's the name of the album. And and so not earrings, but flowering head is a lyric in um, my song behind me from that album. And it's, it's a song that reflects this kind of growth of personhood, I guess. Like I am experiencing all these new things and I'm letting them out. And, and like, it's my first album. And these are all my thoughts just kind of like in the image of, a vine kind of going up a wall and like flowering, you know? And, and so that, that's kind of the reason why I named that album, that title and couch Walker, um, the one I just released. Yeah. I think it's even a bit more hard to grasp and, um, it's fun because I like explaining it. Um, the theme of the album is very much about connection and discussion and intimacy and, um, wanting that kind of connection with people that I interact with, wanting there to be an honesty, wanting there to be a place where someone can feel safe to be themselves and express what they're thinking. And also on the level of romantic um, situations as well. And oftentimes when I'm, you know, having a conversation with someone, whether it's like a platonic person or like someone you just met at a party or like I don't know, like that scene when you're at a party and you end up meeting this person on a couch somewhere and everyone else is like noisy and doing whatever they're doing, but you you and this person are just kind of like nestling in, talking about whatever you end up talking about. And it's kind of a place of intimacy, that like the couch situation. And, um, and in those times, whether it's a conversation like, yeah, a random one like that, or I'm really trying to get to know someone intimately, um, it's usually takes place on a couch and it looks like it's comfortable. It looks like that's a good place to be, but really inside I'm, I'm like feeling more like I'm walking a tightrope and like, that's the feeling. And it's because I'm hoping that, um, we're going to meet on the same plane, 
you know, me and this person that's talking. I hope that we're going to understand what each other is saying. And sometimes you don't. And sometimes you, you, if it's a romantic situation, sometimes that connection doesn't stick and you kind of fall off and like, it doesn't, doesn't work. So the, yeah, the title, I took the idea of like the feeling of walking a tightrope, but in reality, you're actually on a couch and I put those two together. And so it's couch walkers as opposed to tightrope walker, if that makes sense. Yeah. A lot to unpack there. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. There's a couch obviously factors very prominently in the album cover itself. Uh, I had a question mm-hmm. about that. Uh, who's that photo? The, the photo depicts, you know, two individuals mm-hmm. on a couch in uh, an intimate yeah. situation. Who's that photo mm-hmm. of? My parents, actually. Um, so that photo I found as I was looking through a bunch of old photo albums and that's, I knew I wanted an aesthetic of old kind of already photo, like already candid photo. Like I wanted something that was already taken. I didn't want to stage anything. And so I was just looking through some family photo albums and I came across that album, uh, that photo. And it literally is a photo you would like just keep moving by it's not like that significant they're in the full actual landscape photo there's like a christmas tree on the left hand side and they're just kind of like off to the side on this couch and but when i saw it i was like ah there's something there's something about this photo that i think really it's just speaking to me and the colors are perfect they're actually what i wear which is weird that that ended up happening um and i specifically like the um effect on on their hands they're clasped but what as is usual or what is common with old um film cameras it has like kind of a defect and the hands are kind of transparent and so it for me how that speaks to me it's like they're connecting on the couch like the photo shows that but their hands are transparent which kind of gives this kind of mystical, mysterious vibe or like, oh, are they actually really connecting or is this just a facade or are is they this ghosts? just what it looks like on the outside? <laughs> are they ghosts? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the feeling of like, am I connecting with this person or or am I actually not not going to be able to have that real deep connection that I'm hoping for with this person? Um, are they going to understand me? Am I understanding them or am I not actually at all? Um, like what is the truth of going on here, you know? And it's like, you know, interpersonal dynamics require a lot of, um, letting go of yourself and, and like getting over yourself and, and, um, listening and trying to understand someone who's not inside your brain, which is really hard. You know, I think we don't, we, we're not very good at that as people. Our internal monologue tends to be the loudest voice we hear. Exactly. Throughout the day. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. How does yeah. Couchwalker stand out from your previous LP? Ooh. Um. How does it stand out? Um. Hmm. It definitely has a moodier feel to it. It's a bit more broody. It's a bit darker. Um. There's a lot more synth, and I, I recorded all mostly all the songs with my electric guitar, as the previous one was more acoustic and more folky. This one's a bit more 
Oh, there's like a lots of genres going on in there. There's like some indie rock going on, and there's some there is some folk kind of melodies, and um, also kind of like uh, you know operating within this like pop genre. Um, so and and the songs like the song and the the songs and the album have the sense of journey to them. So it's. Um, me kind of experimenting, experimenting and exploring with the, um, I don't know, the structure of song, songwriting. It doesn't need to be first chorus, verse chorus, bridge, chorus, the end. It's it, for me. I wanted to explore more with the structure of song writing in this album. So there's a few things that stand out to me that are different. Yeah. And what would you say were the most rewarding and challenging aspects of creating Couch Walker? I found it really rewarding to be able to have more, to be more confident in my voice as a producer. Um, so I co-produced with my drummer, Scott Curry. Um, but it was, yeah, very much like this. Um, yeah. Thing where he, he never overstepped and it was, he was very much more interested in what I, what my ideas were and what I had to say. And I felt more confident about saying my ideas like I want it to sound like this and I want um yeah I remember this specific song on the album called Quiet Satisfaction and it's a song that I wrote um uh on a at an artist residency on Murdoch Murdoch Island Murdoch Island is it Murdoch Malcolm Malcolm Island um at this place called Sowentula Art Shed and I was there for five days and I wrote this song about jealousy. And I remember being there by myself, being stuck with my own thoughts, but also having the beautiful surroundings of ocean and seashells and whales around me. And I picked up a couple seashells, took them home or back to the cottage and tried to like use them in a percussive way for this song that I was writing and the demo that I was laying down and when I brought it to the studio I was very much like guys I want like I want the seashell vibe like <laughs> I want it to be um kind of alternative percussive sounds I'm not like into just like the drum kit going on um I want it to have this yeah I want certain aspects of the song to stick out where you're like, oh, this instrument is here now, but now it's been replaced with this other instrument. So I was very much like, had more of a voice that way um, and knew what I wanted and what I didn't want. And so that was rewarding to be able to ha have the products after the fact and be proud of the fact that I like, yeah, that song is what I wanted it to be. Like it's what I, it had, it, it took on its own life in the studio, but like, um, it could have been something completely different if I didn't use my voice more. So I'm very, yeah, proud of that. Um, and I loved working with Scott and John Ram is the, the engineer on the album for most of the songs, um, at Afterlife Studios here in Vancouver. And it was so nice to record everything analog and be in a big, big, beautiful room singing and playing violin. That was that was such a great experience um, as opposed to a small little like studio room. So yeah, those are the things that pop out at me right now. This new album came out about five years after Flowering Head besides mm 
mm-hmm. pushing back the release date a couple of months for obvious reasons. Yeah. What made you yeah. decide to take your time with crafting this release? Yeah. Oh, I mean, this time around, I, you know, picked up a few um, tricks of the trade in the sense of like, okay, this is how the industry works. You got to build the team. You got to have your publicist and your manager, if you have one, and all these people helping you release your art into the world. And so I, um, yeah, I started partnering with um, Trish Klein, who actually, she used to be, or she was in the Be Good Tanya's. She ended up approaching me about working together and like kind of pseudo managing me. Um, So it's been a few years now with her and um, we just really wanted to try to send this album out to as many ears as possible before deciding to release it. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have waited it out. I also didn't start recording until I don't know. Well, this was, this would be like two years ago that I started recording this album. So that's still three years after my original release. And I think um, as a solo artist, it can be hard to feel motivated to (laughs) keep pushing content out there. Um, But when people start, you know, forming around you and encouraging you more, it's, it's all, it makes all the difference. Affirmation is huge for continuing to, to expose yourself because it's not it's not easy um you know like the best of times playing music for me is being by myself with my guitar and my voice and like letting it live in that specific moment and not caring if it gets any further (laughs) um but uh but yeah like it's it's just there's a lot that goes into getting songs into people's ears it's not a it's not a cakewalk that's for sure and in your case, I mean, you obviously write all your all your own music. It's not the same as using a wild example, some big pop artist who has a team of like seven yeah. different writers that manages all that arrangement sort of stuff. It's like, oh, you just go into the studio and you sing your part, which kind of leads me to, to ask what um, motivates or compels you to create? Is there like a certain environment or headspace that you have to be in for the ideas to flow? Well, I mean... I'm glad, well, just to kind of answer your previous comment, like, I'm I'm glad I'm not, like, a big pop singer that doesn't write her music, <laughs> you know? Like, that actually would be so unsatisfying for me. Um, like, the, the least, the last thing I want to do is make myself an icon for whatever. I'm not saying everyone does that, but, but what I'm, but what I find I'm most shy about is exposing my, my image and myself. It's, it's more the music that I want people to hear and, and, and I want people to hear the music because I want it to be helpful. And it does come from a very deep and raw place in me. And I, um, yeah, that's why there's that, like, sometimes I just want to keep it for myself because it's, it's kind of exposing letting it out, out there. But, um, I definitely need to be, I mean, the best place for writing for me is when I'm by myself completely, there's no one around. And if possible, um, well, I just experienced this the other day. I, I just started teaching music in person again, but like we had to really make the situation safe. So we're, I'm in this huge sanctuary. (laughs) Um, 
and it was just me there and of course there's this beautiful like kind of hall reverb because it's completely empty and um I had a piano and I was just sitting at it singing and oh it's the best feeling I just like at that scenario I could probably pump out a bunch of songs um because it allows me to kind of center myself and it allows me to feel um yeah, like I can go to that deep place of what I'm feeling emotionally or what I'm thinking about um, and processing, and then I'm able to verbal process out in song what that is. Um, I I find it's really uh, also comes from a place of um, spiritual connectedness for me. Like, um, yeah, in that like connection with God, it's that's a thing that I experience on a day to day basis and um, when I'm able to be quiet and in that kind of serene space um, that's where meaningful things come out lyrically yeah and you kind of touched on this but I did have a a question about that how does spirituality factor into your music right okay well I mean (laughs) like what I just said I it factors into my music because it's it's factored into my life so like I think anyone who's a creator of something, whatever affects them on a day-to-day basis is going to come out in their music and or in their art. And for me, um, my whole life has been um, centered around um, this connection with God that I that I have and um, believe in. And so, how does that affect my music? I guess it's I I sometimes think of the songs are right almost as like prayers if I can say that and it's not like um you know some kind of I don't know when when I say prayer I just kind of mean conversation and it's like an inner inner world kind of conversation and um it's a place when I'm creating that I feel the most connected and full as if I can use those words and and when I mean when I try to use words to describe these kinds of things, it's kind of hard because um, I wouldn't even say it's just a feeling. It's like, it's, it's like an otherness, I guess. And um, yeah, that's a hard thing to explain to people, but I find um, if you're able to create something like whatever kind of art, um, that kind of life that I get from that connection is like, I can then just put it in there and, people can have it if they want or not. And it's, it's going to be in there either way, you know? So, um, yeah, it's a personal connection, personal journey. Um, but it ultimately will come out in whatever I make. So that's kind of how it explains. As you mentioned, you have a, uh, a team that you've, uh, developed not only, mm-hmm. you know, other musicians that you work with, but also you have a, have a publicist and you work with the management mm-hmm. team. I was mm-hmm. obviously reading through your social media posts, and I got this sense while reading through them that you were speaking directly to the reader as if they were a close friend, or other times I felt yeah. like I was reading like a journal entry of sorts. Um, why is mm. it important for you to have this personal touch to your mm. social media content? Um, well, I probably wouldn't do it <laughs> if it wasn't personal, um, because I find social media actually probably the hardest part of this this job and it's actually like probably one of the main parts of this job (laughs) sadly right now um but if it's not 
an honest expression of who I am, then I don't, I kind of get lost in what I'm doing or why I'm doing it. Because um, I, as a human, as a person, or as a consumer of music myself, if, if someone is speaking to me from their heart as an artist, like I, I'm much more drawn in. I'm much more, um, I guess I'm much more, um, yeah, I react to that. And, and so I'm going to do what I appreciate from other people. I think in everyday life, um, whether I'm serving someone coffee or, you know, talking to my roommate or talking to a stranger on the street, I'm, I'm just so much more filled with life when the, those connections you have with people, however brief they are, have that um, honest, you know, thing I, I I would think that most people would want that um so I try to do that on social media too because it's just it's not even a trying to do thing it's like it's natural for me to do it that way um and it's and it's yeah it's definitely a, an area of this industry that I or this job that I, I find hard to know how to how to work well <laughs> if I'm to be honest yeah yeah, and I bring it up because it stands out in a good way. And speaking candidly, I struggle with managing the social media for this show <laughs> in terms of what can I say to to engage with people. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I totally get that. Because you're not going to have, like, sometimes you have those long ones, but, like, you're not going to always have long messages attached to everything, and people aren't always going to read that. So, like, what? It, how do you give some kind of nugget of truth to people that makes them both intrigued and both like feel your authenticity. Right. Like that's just, that's hard. <laughs> yeah. And, and in my case, especially a lot of what I'm doing, actually the majority of what I'm doing is promoting other people, what other people are doing, like you right. know, podcasts, yeah. every episode it's, I've got, I've got Jenny on the show this week and right. she's great. Yeah. And how many, f- the, all the different ways that I rack my brain to say, should listen to this episode because this artist is awesome. Right. In a way that's <laughs> like you're not just gonna say that. Right? Yeah, I can't just Every say time that. You... <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, because it, it wouldn't look consistent and all that. Yeah, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing. It's one of those things where uh, sometimes I want to completely unplug from the matrix and disconnect from social mm-hmm. media, but with being involved in the music scene and then. Your yeah. entertainment and stuff like that, you can't. You're, you're stuck. I know. <laughs> it's taped to the I back so of your head. I so relate to that. <laughs> I love that you use the Matrix as a as Totally a contemporary metaphor. reference. It's true. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. I, I feel that. I also have that struggle. And yet, I see it as, okay, but if I don't communicate this to people, and this is how people are experiencing communication right now, then then how will they find it? You know, like it, and I have a friend that's very good at, um, strategy and, and, um, thinking in that way, but also like has the biggest heart. Like I love her. It's not like one goes, you know, you kind of have one without the other, like they can go together. It's, it's, it can happen. Believe it or um, not. And she was, yeah, she was challenging me on, on the, you know, like not learning how to market well and not learning how to communicate well because, um, it's almost like a disservice to the people that are going to hear you or like it might seem pretentious because like, oh, just find my music if you can find it. But no, like how can I make it so available to you that you you 
don't have to do much to find it and and in a way that it reflects who I am um and it takes it just takes a lot of work takes a lot of like kind of dreary work almost for me not for other people some people love it and and maybe for you too but we're relating on this (laughs) I get it yeah yeah I mean I hope my enthusiasm comes out in the posts that I that I make, but I struggle sometimes with, with the social media copy. Um, have you ever thought? I don't know. Have you ever done like where you listen back and you want to you you pick out like a quote what the artist said, um, and and put that as the comment, a, a thing that like really stands out to you about your conversation? Have you ever done that? Not a bad idea. Should get. No, maybe I should, you should that do that. Try. Yeah, because I uh, I find that. Um, I if I remember something fun, I try and include it in the in the description. Yeah. But yeah, oh, that might help. Anyway, yeah, little tip. I like that from a non non um, social media professional over here. <laughs> yeah, well, and I was gonna say is kind of a little bit of an open open call. Anyone's listening who has social media expertise yeah. that's okay with doing volunteer work because I can't pay you right now. Right. Yeah. Come hither. Well, Pacific Sound Radio would love to expand the team, but you got to be okay with, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get you. Well, I mean, that's the cool thing about art communities. Um, I mean, <clears throat> my my dream has always been to perform and play music with people I love and, like, who want to be there and want to do the music and understand that, like, it's not this high-paying job <laughs> as much as I'd want to pay everyone you know the rates that we should all be earning but we don't um but like my band that I play with they are the way that I've come across them and how they've come into um this project has been so beautiful and like I don't know how are they even wanting to play and they're so good and they've like spent their lives learning their instruments so well and somehow even though they don't get much from me and I, you know, I, I'm very, very conscious of like paying my, my musicians, um, out of what I earn, but like, um, it's not, it's not like a regular day job. Um, so, but like, that's the beauty of art community because people just do it. They want to do it still. And that's not something you find in a lot of other communities out there. And from what I've seen so far, and this is encouraging from what I've observed. It doesn't, I haven't seen a lot of bands close up shop in spite of everything that's been going on the last few months. Mm-hmm. I can think of maybe one band that probably had a bunch of other reasons for breaking up when they, when they did. But, um, yeah. I think it's one of those things where you're just, it's like you're hmm, trying to think of an analogy that doesn't sound like a disease. Um, <laughs> Addiction, maybe I don't know. It's like if you're yeah. if you're a musician, if you're an artist of any sort, it's like there's, it's inescapable. You can't not perform or write or do whatever mm-hmm. it is you do. You literally cannot escape that. Yeah. Or if you if, no. if you force yourself to stop doing it, usually those people wind up kind of unhappy. Yeah, I I agree with you, and I would even take it one step further, and I'd say everyone in them has some kind of like space to unlock to be creative in some kind of way. And I would even say, I don't know, I think as a vocalist and a singer, I really advocate for that. Like no matter who you are, (laughs) 
like even if you just like humming I'm like please hum more in your life like I think I think it's actually something every human is built to do in some form or way is like sing and I I don't mean like opera singing I mean just like using your voice in a melodic way is so therapeutic it doesn't matter whether you think you're a good singer or not I and I think it's possible to discover your voice if you know you wanted to um but yeah it's it's definitely something i'm glad i've tapped into <laughs> well i was gonna say uh you can even be one of the most celebrated songwriters of all time like bob dylan or neil young or leonard mm-hmm. cohen and not have the greatest voice from a technical perspective and still yeah. do pretty well absolutely like there's something about passion when you're able to um yeah, with your voice, express your passion and do it in a confident way. It doesn't matter what your voice sounds like, <laughs> really. It's like, or if it's technically sound, it's, it's, there's something about the soul of a person coming out. Um, and when you're able to get into that space of letting it out and, and trusting it and having confidence that you have a soul, <laughs> then um, it's great music and I'm into it. Yeah. So we had referenced that there, you've got some new plans that you're working on for the proper release show for, for Couch mm-hmm. Walker, and the album's mm-hmm. uh, already available on all the streaming platforms. Do you mm-hmm. have anything else kind of in the works in terms of uh, helping to pr- promote the new album? Yeah. Um, again, it's been postponed <laughs> a couple times, um, but we're filming a short film that... Um, has little snippets of each song um, featured and it kind of cross genres, different mediums, um, including dance and theater and film and music video vibes. So I'm really stoked to do it. And we're actually finally filming it at the end of the month and hopefully it will be available in November. That sounds really cool. Um, yeah. A visual so. album of sorts. Yeah. Kind of like that, but not the whole album. It, it's just going to be parts of the album. And we'll also include some kind of live performance as well. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to keep uh, yeah. keep my eyes out for that because that's yeah. the other thing with, uh, you know, with the pandemic is that artists are forced to be more creative, which is great. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Be more creative, artists. Damn it. <laughs> it's not enough. You have no other option. <laughs> not touring. Yeah. Yeah, no, but but it's true, and I've I've said this to keep myself kind of integral about what I'm making. I've had to coach myself sometimes, and just saying like, "What am I imagining?" Like you kind of have to put yourself back into your childhood self and be like, "If I was just a kid, like wanting to make up stuff, what would I want to do? You know, like what would I imagine doing?" And I think sometimes we get so caught up in like only what we see and how we have to make something like that, but better when really like there, there might be something else going on in you that could be really cool to commit to trying. And, um, and that's like the magic and the risk and, and the, um, that's when it becomes fun and is, and I need to remind myself of that. Like, how am I keeping up with my creative thoughts instead of like, how am I matching everyone else in the world? You know, for sure. Mm-hmm. Are there any local bands or artists that you'd recommend we bring on the show for a future episode? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. There's tons. Um, 
Well, I mentioned Scott Curry a bunch because he's my co-producer, but he goes by Curry, K-U-R-I, and he's awesome. He kind of writes like cinematic pop, I would say. Um, he's very, very clever, uh, creative person. Uh, and I would say, hmm, oh, uh, Amanda Sum. She's kind of up and coming as well, and she just... Um, is about to drop her second single ever. Um, her first single is called Group Think, and she has an amazing voice and very, very clever, intelligent lyrics, and I think it'd be great. Great option. Uh, Jillian Lake is another singer-songwriter I would recommend. Yeah. Those are the those are the ones I'm thinking of right now. Good spread. Haven't had any of them on the show, so that's what I like to hear. Yeah. Check them out. Yeah, absolutely. And how can listeners check out your music and keep up with everything you're up to? Well, we've talked a lot about social media, so <laughs> I guess I should promote that. Um, I promise you I will share my most honest self with you. Um, so Instagram probably is the best place to follow me. Um, but my music is everywhere streaming-wise. So Spotify, iTunes, Bandcamp. SoundCloud, all the places, um, and and I'm also I have a Twitter account too, crazy. So there's a few places. And it's all at Jenny Benet. Yeah. Oh yeah, I do have a website. Oh, website as well. <laughs> JennyBenet.com. Yeah. Isn't JennyBenet.com. It's <laughs> nice that you can just take your names like that's mine, mine. Yeah. <laughs> no I, one else. It, <laughs> Yeah, for me, it's easy. I don't know. People don't have my name out there. So um, for some reason, I even when I look it up, I'm like, does anyone else have this last name? No, no. It's a nice okay, feeling, though. Just me. <laughs> yeah. People often don't misspell my last name, so. What's your, Olsen? Yeah, people spell oh. it with an E because of Mary-Kate oh, yeah. and Ashley and Elizabeth. Oh, dang. So minor pet peeve of mine, but. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I'm your host, James Olson. Pacific Sound Radio is produced by Mark Lingelbach. You can check us out on Facebook at Pacific Sound Radio, Instagram at Pacific Sound Radio, Twitter at Pacific S Radio, YouTube at Pacific Sound Media. Our website is PacificSoundRadio.com, and you can also check us out wherever you stream your podcasts. If you like the show, there are a few different ways you can support it. You can give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice that lets you leave reviews. You can share this podcast on your social media and you can recommend the show in person from a safe social distance to your friends, family, and co-workers. If you know a local band or artist that you think should appear as guests on our show, let us know. Fill out the form on our website or send us an email to talkpsr at gmail.com. 